Welcome to You Hear Big Girls Attack on Titan podcast. I'm Mom Taku. And my name is Luna. And this month, we're happy to have Reddit's Ichigo SR5 as our guest. He's also known as Angrian on Discord, where we've had many conversations with him. Our most favorite fandom contribution he made was the Gabby birthday special, which was a retelling of the Marley arc through Gabby's eyes. We'll also be linking that in our description. Uh, we want to welcome you to this month's podcast, Angrian. Thank you for joining us. Hey, this is pretty crazy for me. I've been a fan since uh, day one, and I never expected to actually be on the podcast. So this is this is kind of cool. I'm excited. Yeah, we've uh, noticed all your comments since day one, and we've always enjoyed reading them and responding to them when we had the time. And can I just say that the day that I found out, like I knew you from Reddit, and I knew you from Discord, <laughs> and when those two connected, it just blew my mind. Like It was kind of like saying, oh, here's this person I sort of like. Oh, here's this person I really like. And then, oh, crap, they're the same person. It was wonderful, and, and just really happy to have you here. Yeah, I thought I told you sooner, actually. I didn't know you didn't know. You should have told me sooner, but it's okay. It's cat's out of the bag now. Yeah, I'm the same. I had no idea. You, you, the, your Reddit persona, your Discord persona were one and the same. Yeah. So this month's chapter, chapter 118, was called Sneak Attack. And I'd like to start by getting chapter impressions. I already know that this was not your favorite chapter, but go ahead and just give us a, a synopsis of how you felt about it. Oh, boy. Okay, so I know a lot of people really like this chapter. I've heard people say this is like their favorite chapter of the whole manga, which is crazy to me. I don't want to be like too negative. It's just I didn't feel like there were that many great parts to this chapter and some disappointing parts. But we can get into that later. What about you, Luna? What was your feeling? Well, uh, it um, again, it felt really fast like i was done reading i was like oh it's over already which is the same i had last month even though there was more conversation and less fighting this time around so i think that's a good sign there were some really interesting moments in this chapter mostly i think elena and armin's exchange which i still don't know quite what to make of that but overall i think there was some good plot developments but i have to agree with angry that it wasn't the most exciting chapter we've had so far i feel like it's still build up to the storm that is to come. What are your thoughts? I was expecting more because this was the chapter that closed the volume. Mm. But I can't say that I was disappointed. And I think it's just because there was so much kindness in this chapter, like unexpected kindness. And I'm just a sucker for that. I mean, I know that this is not a kind manga, but the Browse family showing compassion, Niall showing compassion, uh, those moments, even though maybe they don't fit the tone or maybe they shouldn't have happened now, they matter to me. So I liked it. So looking at the chapter poll, the satisfaction on the chapter poll, so far we've had about 800 responses and 66.6% .6 have given it the highest rating. That's actually a little bit higher than last month. Last month, only 60... 2.3%. So this was a pretty love chapter. Hmm. I'm surprised it got a higher rating than last chapter. I actually really liked last chapter. I mean, this was still a good one, but... Yeah, I saw a lot of high praise for this chapter on Reddit and stuff. I guess it kind of faked me out because it definitely looked like it was going to be a battle chapter. 
we do see Pete getting into position, we see ships flying, but then the action takes us directly to inside the building where we find out the fates of those who were imprisoned. Uh, let's start with the 104th. So the first thing that happened was Anyang Kapan's loyalties were revealed. Was anybody surprised by that? I wasn't actually. I believed in him from like the beginning. Yeah, I thought he was kind of always working both sides and not really on Yelena's side, but couldn't switch to the other side because out of fear of what Yelena would do to him, probably. So I'm not surprised to see him um, at least help the 104 for now. But, you know, I don't know if he'll stay on their side for the long term. I think it's uh, a matter of convenience to him as well. I'm with Angry, and I've always believed in his that he was truly a humanitarian and that his intentions were good. Uh, I know there was some disappointment because uh, when Anyang Kapan's loyalties were being questioned was a few chapters ago where he was playing cards and there was some hope that he would turn out to be just another criminal mastermind in this sea of people with their own intentions. So it was nice to see that he is, you know, what we'd hoped or what many of us hoped he'd be, a humanitarian, somebody who actually wants the best for the people of Paradise. What I felt with this character is that if he was going to turn on them, it would have been if Yelena was actually working to help the, the Paradisians. Because in um, chapter 106, I believe it was, it seemed like they weren't on the same page at all. No, even the side eyes, that they, the, the looks that they were giving each other were just not not friendly. Yeah, so I'm, I'm pretty hyped for this. I liked um, his relationship with um, Hanji. Yeah, I do too. I do too. Yeah, I saw some people being uh, relieved that Hanji's trust was not misplaced. And that the survey coordinate make another big mistake. <laughs> yeah, let's. Uh, we will put that as a win in Hanji's in Hanji's uh, column that that they still read people very well. <laughs> How many panels have we seen now of Armin reaching out his hand? I don't know that it means anything, but I, I think it's somewhat significant. Their handshake is framed the front of the panel, so I think it just means that Armin's pretty trusting. At least wants to believe in other people, and I think that kind of plays into his feelings towards Aaron in this chapter. Shall we jump right into that? His feelings towards Aaron? We can probably. Luna? Sure. Yeah. The real question this month was Armin's enthusiasm for Aaron, just wholeheartedly throwing his support behind him. Do you all think that this enthusiasm is genuine? I mean, is it wholeheartedly? Because we see him doubting, like, is this what you're planning? And then he kind of second guesses himself and he says, no, it can't be that way. I think he thinks better of Eren. I think he he contemplates whether Eren would unleash the rumbling to destroy all his enemies. And yeah, he has faith that Eren would not do that, as many people still have in his fandom as well. So I think a lot of people were very happy to see Armin express uh, a hopeful feeling towards Eren still. Yeah, they were childhood friends, so it's understandable that he wanted to like, believe in him. But I think he also has some of his doubts because of his actions during the, um, or his words um, at the ocean. Yeah. It did seem to me that the 104th sort of represented each portion of the fandom in their attitude towards Aaron at this point. Connie is just furious. He feels betrayed. This is not at all what he signed up for. I see that represented in the fandom. A lot of people just kind of lost all hope at this point. And then Gene's attitude, you know, he's a bastard, but he's cool. I see that represented a lot well. People that just like recognize that Aaron is just a total screw up right now, like making every poor decision. And yet they still like him because he's doing something. He's cool. He's he's moving forward, you know. And then the Armands of the fandom, the faithful who just absolutely believe 
in Aaron's heart and that he, you know, whatever he's doing, there's good reason for it. And that does seem to be the majority of the fandom at this point. But I do not agree. I want to agree, <laughs> but I don't agree. The further we get, the more it feels like Aaron's just a devil, like literally the devil. I've been saying that for months now. <laughs> so I'm not going to reiterate myself, but yeah. <laughs> Well, I we don't have any of, of like the true believers on this podcast, but I still in my I mean, my attitude at this point is that you don't become a hero by slaughtering civilians, by telling your friends you you know, all the things he's done. You cannot be a hero. That this is not heroic, but that I I want I want reconciliation and I I just don't want it to end this way, you know? I mean, this has been our this has been our protagonist and I don't know. I want something to happen to fix this, but I don't know if anything can. Yeah, so there was a really interesting post on Reddit, and I can't find it anymore, but maybe you two have seen it, that was talking about Aaron's true intentions. It was posted a couple of days ago, and it was kind of referencing the talk he had with Reiner in the basement saying, like, we're all the same, so that before he went to Marley, maybe he would have had the plan to uh, execute the rumbling, but now after he's been there... He has changed his mind? I don't think so. I, I believe I read that as well. I just think that conversation, well, first of all, he told that to um, Reiner and Falco, who are also Eldians. And if he is going to um, activate mm -hmm. the rumbling, he's going to kill every non-Eldian, not just, you know, not, not, not everyone outside the walls. But what I feel is that he was just saying that he recognized that they aren't evil people. They're not his enemies, but they still have to die mm -hmm. because they see them as enemies. And as monsters and stuff. Yeah, but that also goes for the other aliens, right? Uh, I don't know about that. I think he would want to save them if he can. Because I think his issue is just with the fact that the people outside the walls see aliens as monsters who can turn into titans. Yeah, it doesn't seem like he feels there's a way for, you know, true peace between them. And all he wants is freedom. So if he feels that they'll always be seen as monsters and they can't leave the walls, then it means that some something has to give. And so he might just feel that they need to just end everyone who's not an Eldian. I asked that on the poll, whether or not Aaron will use the rumbling to wipe out the entire rest of the world. And 50, more than half the fandom says exactly that. They, they don't think it's his master plan, but he'll do it if he has to. And that's definitely the camp that I'm in. I don't think Aaron, maybe I'm wrong on this, but Aaron at this point seems to be fighting for freedom on principle, that they have the right to freedom, and he's going to achieve that freedom no matter what. There's not a human element involved in this. It's just, this is my right. This is the right of these people, and it's being denied to them, and I'm going to restore it, period. And that leaves a lot of room for a lot of not just gray morality, but just really horrific behavior. So 56%, it's not his plan, but he'll do it if he'll have to. And the portion of the fandom that said that he would never do that is, let me see. 15.3 I have here. And then there's a lot of write-ins for this question. Yeah, I would say looking at the chart, at least one-fifth of the answers are write-ins. I think so, yeah. 20% feel like he absolutely will use the rumbling to destroy the world. So we've got one-fourth of the fandom that's expecting this. And 60% calling it a hard maybe. I think three-quarters of the fandom is like, it will probably happen at this point. I feel like it has to. I mean, the, the, the Titans walking have been part of the conversation for too long for something yeah. not to happen. Chekhov's Titans. 
Yeah, I don't believe they're going to reveal Aaron's intentions through Armin. The fact that he said, you know, he believes in him and we haven't heard a word from Aaron yet means that it's not his plan. So he likely is going to try to use a rumbling. Armin has made a lot of predictions on this. He's predicted as as early as, was it chapter 109, that Aaron would have control of the will of the founding Titan, not Zeke, now that this isn't his plan. I mean, Armin's making an awful lot of assumptions about Aaron right now, but I can't help but think of that scene in Annie's, when he was um, kind of bearing his soul to Annie's crystal, that he thought he knew him best and he was having those doubts. So yeah, I just, I don't know, like, I, I love, I should come clean on my loyalties. I love Armin. Armin's a character that I just really adore. And I just have this horrible sinking feeling that he's just going to be devastated by whatever happens. Um, I don't know. Who would have thought Armin would be the one, the cheerleader for Aaron, and Mikas is the one that's kind of like, wait a second, dude, this isn't happening. It's just funny to see those roles shift. She just seems like hopeless right now. Yeah, after last chapter, I had... Uh, maybe a role reversal of what happened. Like, well, at least we saw Armin have some sort of breakthrough. And so I thought, well, maybe he would think more favorably of Eren, but then we kind of see him in doubt still this chapter. And with Mikasa, she was, um, it looked like she was swayed by Jean's words last chapter where he said, well, Eren is, might have acted like a dick, but he wouldn't do that without a good reason. So I thought she would still have faith in Eren, but then she took up the scarf this chapter. So to me, that symbolizes that she's losing her trust in him. And in a way, trust in herself, because when she heard about the um, Backermans, she doesn't know like what are her desires and if it's real or not. Hmm. So do you all see the removal of the scarf as a positive character development? What are your thoughts? Yeah, definitely. I was looking forward to this for a while now. I'm very glad that she's moving away from Eren and becoming more of her own person. It's long overdue. I still want to see more about the Hizuru, though. I'm sure we will. Like, Kiyomi is flying up in that air somewhere <laughs> on our ice burst plane. So this is kind of a random aside, but I was answering an ask on Tumblr today, and it reminded me of that. Back in chapter maybe 21, I, I could be wrong on that, when Eren in his Titan form punches at Mikasa several times. That's one of those never-explained moments in the manga. and. Even when Isayama ignores something for a very, very long time, he tends to bring it back. I, I wonder if that's going to come into play again as she's fighting out to protect him one more time. I don't know. Is that crazy that he might react negatively towards her again? Or what do you think? I don't know about that. I, I still lean more on the side of that's just, you know, him not controlling his Titan very well. He was still kind of new to it. I, it's not impossible. It just feels, I don't know, kind of weird. Mm, I don't see it happening. I think it resembled Eren more back then because he himself was not so much in control of his own thoughts and feelings. And I feel like he has that control right now. So I don't think he would swing at Mikasa again like that. Not even with intent, I think. And back in those days, he was definitely jealous of her. They were still kind of working out some of those kinks in their relationship. Hmm. Um, whereas now there's no jealousy. He pities her more than anything, apparently. If, if chapter if, 112 yeah. is to be believed. If that's all there is to the story, which I still doubt. But yeah, and we see Mikisa again bringing up like everything Aaron said in that chapter about like her headaches as well. And um, that she was a slave because she was an Ackerman and she bonded with him. But, you know, we've seen other, you know, Ackerman bond with their, well, leeches, but that's 
you know, Levi to Irwin and Kenny to Uri, but they never had those headaches. And I don't know, have we ever seen them, either of those two, uh, attack in blind rage because Erwin or Uri was in danger? I don't think so. No, the relationship was no. totally different. Yeah. We've also seen Mikasa have headaches that's not related to Aaron, like when um, Aaron's mom died. And also when she saw Armin um, roasted by Virgil. Yeah, I noticed that in the anime this season, too. That was a nice reminder of that moment, the fact that she grabbed her head seeing Armin on the roof in Shiganshnitz. We talked about this a little bit last month, how the anime sometimes parallels what's happening in the manga. And that was one of those moments that sort of stood out to me, that what Aaron either said or actually believes is not true. Yeah, I never bought what he was saying in 112. Like, I, it was not believable at all. The question is, does he believe it? Or was he saying that, like Armin is proposing here, because he's trying to protect them? I think that's that's the question. I think Armin was mostly right there. I think and was just trying to, like, push them away in some way. Because he knows that what he's planning to do is something that they would never agree with. It's kind of interesting. Like, Aaron is chasing freedom, but he's only chasing what he thinks is freedom and not what everyone else thinks is freedom. So it's he's kind of forcing his will on others. So is he really chasing freedom for the Eldians or just for himself? That's what I meant before when I said freedom as a point of principle. It just seems like yeah. it's the concept of freedom more than the actual application of freedom, you know? Yeah. yeah I, I, some Aaron fans get upset when I say this, but I feel like Aaron's always been kind of selfish. And that's not always a bad thing. Like, and I can completely understand him in some situations, like as we've seen in the anime recently with Armin. I think I would have argued just as hard as I, as he has for Armin. But he's really going his own way and forcing his choices on others continuously. I mean, that's how I feel at least. So that's why, I don't know, I like the concept of freedom a lot, like chasing that as a as a goal, but Aaron, I, for some reason, has never really spoken to me, and I think that that's the main reason why. And I think that's where we look at other um, kind of nebulous dreams or, or honorable dreams that can have negative side effects, Erwin's pursuit of truth. I mean, that's one of those things he wanted to find the truth, and that's a noble goal, but you know, when you leave a mountain of bodies behind in that pursuit, that can be a problem, right? In the end, Erwin had to choose between truth and what was best for humanity. He made the right call. He chose at that moment to let you know that selfish dream go and do what's best for humanity. And I, I keep wondering if Aaron will have that similar moment where he'll have to choose between what we're talking about—you know, freedom as a point of principle, or freedom the way he interprets it versus freedom. As in, you know, what, what really is the best scenario for everyone? Well, and we've seen the final panel. So if the final panel is a good indication, then it, it should be freedom for everyone. I don't know about that, Luna. That final panel oh. could be, it could go many ways. Yeah, I don't know if I can agree with that. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see. Soon we'll know the ending. Maybe. I have, I have no idea, honestly. Because I, I can't see this manga in, ending anytime soon. No, no, I don't think it's ending anytime soon, but there's going to, you heard about the event happening in Japan, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I still don't know if, you know, it, there will be audio included, but it could be like one or two sentences. It could be a whole lot. I don't know how many, yeah, if it's very spoilery or not, but 
Whatever it is, you know it's going to be something that's just going to cause more fighting in the fandom. Like, <laughs> I have no doubt. The Reddit mods are just like, how are they going to handle this? How are they going to handle like yet another to, layer of spoiler? To dart complaining in our server. Like, <laughs> I live for that. <laughs> Poor Darth. I know. Darth, if you're listening, she's not. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um... But yeah, another funny thing is you say that like Erwin made the choice for freedom over, or well, yeah, over the truth, right? Or his dream. His dream of the truth versus yeah. making the truth available no matter what. Yeah. But actually, wasn't it Levi who made the choice for him? Well, if you read, <laughs> if you read supplemental information, including interviews by Isayama himself, he has said that at that moment that... Mm -hmm. Levi yeah. knew what Erwin wanted. Mm -hmm. He just let Levi say it. Okay. And that's why he smiled and said, yeah. thank you. Do not make me <laughs> Google that interview and spend the next 10 minutes reading I don't care what Isayama you. said in the interview. I don't care what the clonoid <laughs> people said about their room. I don't care what's said in other magazines. I care what's in canon, okay? Okay. Well, what's in canon <laughs> is, is Erwin looking very relieved and smiling and saying thank you. So obviously... That was the right decision. And that's the decision yes. that he ultimately wanted. Well, I don't so, know if he wanted it. Yes. He, he knew it was necessary and he needed that push, I guess, to make it that decision. I think they both knew that there really was no decision. It's just somebody had to be, somebody had to say it. And Levi being the kind of person he was, was the one that, that took the burden that said it. So it, I do wonder though, if Aaron is going to have that kind of a crate scene where he has to sit there and say, you know, his whole life, he's been fighting for this and maybe a little bit of self-reflection there about the... Do you really think that will happen? I don't know. Maybe he won't. I don't know. I can't see Aaron backing down on Same. this. No. Like at nine years old, he killed two people without batting an eye. I don't <laughs> see. He's, he's insane. <laughs> I feel like I have yeah. to defend him since we don't have any, any Aaron fans here. I would love to see it. I, I am hopeful. Mm -hmm. But we we shall see. I just, I can't imagine Isayama leaving it like this. How do you take Aaron Yeager, who the story has been intent on beating down since he, I mean, like, gets a titan power, gets kidnapped, gets this, gets kidnapped, <laughs> this new thing happens, gets smacked down. I mean, constantly being smacked down, knocked aside, every intention, bright eyes, ready to go, save humanity, and just the story just slaps him down. I just, Aaron has had, has Aaron had any actual wins, like non-Peric victories, just an absolute great moment where things go his way? Liberio. Pre-time skip. I mean, you think about Trost when he couldn't, um, you know, all the uh, the Alpha Squad, everyone died trying to protect him as he sealed the wall. Female Titan arc where Levi's crew was wiped out because he didn't transform in time. I mean, I guess the Crystal Cavern, right? He was able to harden at the last minute and save the 104th. I mean, I guess that was a truly good moment. But he's had so little good things happen to him in this story. I just don't want it to end like this. I had the same feeling with Zeke, but I gave up on him. <laughs> Did you really? <laughs> Yeah, I really believed in him, like from like the beginning of the Marley arc. Honestly, um, that he was a good man, or what yeah. do you mean believed in him? Define that. I believed that he was fighting to save the Eldians, and he is. But I didn't expect him to <laughs> want to save them in this way. <laughs> oh, 
salvation by euthanization. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I can hear the disappointment in your voice. Still. Yeah, I really was. He was my number two character right below Reiner. And I was expecting chapter 114 to put him up to number one, but no. No, boom. <laughs> right down to the bottom. Yep. <laughs> it's always disappointing when you have hopes and dreams for a character. And months, because we get this manga once a month, months to kind of like populate these headcanons and then have them dashed. So it's very, very disappointing. What I've learned from this manga is to never have ex expectations. <laughs> it's never a good idea. Just don't do it. In the Discord, I was reading something that Humble had written about you can't be disappointed if you stay skeptical. And maybe that's the way we should be about everything. Just trust nothing. Believe nothing. So I am skeptical about Armin's optimism at this point. I don't think things are going to work out completely in Armin's favor here. No. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. I don't know if us being completely pessimistic towards Aaron's intentions is also going to completely work out in our favors at this point. Like, Shiganshina was completely evacuated, right? Right. Yep. And Aaron had intended to meet Zeke there and probably test out the rumbling because I'm sure Aaron also wants to find out who would be in control, him or Zeke. I think he wants to have that certainty. Yeah, that makes sense. So, but now all the people are there like, okay, the people contaminated with wine. I don't know how much he cares about those, but also his friends. And if... You know, what he said in 112 was really just a ruse to create some distance between him and the rest of the 104th. Then he definitely doesn't want them there and doesn't want anything to happen right now. And that would also mean that what we discussed last uh, podcast, that Aaron was indeed moving away from the headquarters to keep them safe. Or maybe part of why he moved away. Maybe also just because he likes fighting Reiner. <laughs> that too. Yeah. Well, I can't imagine that he's so far gone that he doesn't care about them. That's just not, I don't think that anybody believes that. Maybe some people do, but I don't think any of us believe at this point that he actively wishes harm on his former friends. No, I don't think Aaron actively wishes a lot of harm on a lot of people. It's just something that he feels like either he needs to do or he's okay with the collateral damage. But yeah, now that the Marlians are here, maybe he'll gladly annihilate them. We haven't talked about Connie or Jean yet. I would like to talk about Connie. Let's talk about Connie, Luna. Tell me about Connie. Connie is the best. Isn't he? End of story. Yeah. I mean, the fact that he mentioned like all the betrayals he went through, it cut deep for me. It really did. To see the tears in his eyes. Like, I'm s that he's so sick of everything. <sighs> Wasn't it a, a question on the poll as well? It was. Yeah, how do you feel about Aaron? And I, I feel the same as Connie, actually. Or I felt the same as Connie towards him when he unleashed his attack in Liberio. I was very disappointed in Aaron. So, And I also felt betrayed because I really didn't expect him to do that. I still had you know, high hopes that he wouldn't do a Grim Reminder 2.0. But, you know, I was proven wrong. So. so for that question, which character's feelings towards Aaron best aligned to your own? I selected Mr. Browse's, can we just go home now? <laughs> I'm just done. I put the same. <laughs> like, that was just me. So we're in like, the minority okay, then, because Connie, I'm sick of being betrayed, only had like 12% of the votes, and can we just head home, yet only had around 13% of the votes. 
Yeah. Most people were like, he's doing this because he has no choice, which is 45%. And uh, 30% goes with John's. He's a bastard, but he's cool. (laughs) (laughs) So that moment, Angry, and you wouldn't know about this because you're not in the shipping communities, but um, Gene having that moment, I know, set portions of the fandom happily chatting. I wouldn't be surprised. And uh, Jean was, I thought, I mean, it, it, I've always loved seeing him take charge of a situation. And, and you could argue this time it was, it was Armin taking charge. He's the one leading the pack as they walk out. But, um, you know, my hopes for Jean almost since the beginning of the manga have been that, you know, ultimately, I, I've never wanted Hanji to lose that position, but just, you know, this is, this is a future commander of the survey court right here. This, this guy, this person who has fought so hard to maintain his humanity, despite making horrible decisions. And Jean's been my, my ideal commander figure of the 104th. Connie's always just been my heart. I mean, he is somebody who just loves people so sincerely. He's always in tune with emotions and to see him so broken and just totally done with it at this point. I'm with you. Somebody give him a hug, like a really long and sincere hug and just get him out of this story and somewhere happier. Yeah, Connie's had it really, really rough. All right, I give my thoughts on Connie. Let's do it. So I, I was excited for his character in the beginning of this arc um, because I, I like that concept of Dark Connie. And, you know, he had reasons to be angry and furious with both Aaron and Zeke. But I'm just kind of disappointed right now because he hasn't done anything. He just talks about how angry he is. He hasn't, he's, I'm just, I'm just disappointed with the 104th kind of. I wanted to see more of their goals and, you know, how they're going to move forward from this point on, but they haven't really had that much focus in this arc, on, honestly. How do you feel about all of them just agreeing in the end? Okay, we'll go fight for him time. I mean, were you disappointed by that? Kind of. I mean, it makes sense. It's just they don't have a clear defined goal, like an end goal yet. And I feel they kind of should at this point. Yeah, I would agree with that. Like it's ever since Liberio. Yeah, even before Liberio. All this happened under their noses to the person that they arguably were closest to. And you don't see anybody coming up with anything. They're just sitting around talking about it and really feeling sorry about the situation. Yeah. One of the good things about them before the time skip was that they were proactive a lot of the times. They made plans, they thought about what they need to do next or whatever, but this time they're just reactive in every single scenario. The only person that has an actual plan at this point is Armin, and his is, oh, we'll just ask him about it once it's over. <laughs> Pretty much. Connie is like, well, I'm going to punch him. And yeah, it just it, I, I felt like that moment fell flat for me too. I, I mean, I'm glad that Connie isn't totally dark, but it just seemed like a concession at this point. I think before it was also very black and white it was very clear who the enemies were and and what they had to do it was to defeat their enemies but like who is their enemy who's on their side you know there's a lot more to consider at this point they don't have all the information at hand the people they thought they knew turn out to act like complete strangers at this point towards them and there's just a lot of inertia as a result of that and yeah it's frustrating to read i'll agree with that but in a way, it's also kind of understandable. Yeah, I'd probably have a bit more hope if I knew like how much longer we had in this manga. Yeah. But since <laughs> you know, it seems like this is like the end. I don't know how we can wrap up all these storylines before you know it's all over. 
you think this is the end is approaching soon? I don't know. I mean, like, I think that there should be like an extra arc after this. I agree with that. I feel this is more like a civil war type of arc. And then the next arc will be like the world war arc. Maybe. Or at least when the whole world comes knocking at Paradise's door. I feel like this is not the final one. It can be. Angry, and I don't know if you were in the Discord chat. There was conversation going on about about this arc, and spe- specifically how this is the first arc where we don't even have a name for it yet. Like people don't even know yeah. what to call it. We're already and like how many volumes in right now? How we're many volumes? Thirteen chapters in the arc. I mean, it started at one hundred and seven, I guess. Officially. Well, we don't even know when it started officially. Like, there's still some question yeah. about that. But I don't know that. We've ever been this far deep into an arc that we didn't even know what to call it? I think the Yeager's arc is pretty, you know, fitting. I mean, it's all about them pretty much, about the uprising and them coming to power and stuff. So the Yeagerist arc? I mean, is that what? The Super Yeager Brothers. (laughs) Or that, even better. Oh, yeah, I'll be curious. It is unusual that there is sort of that disjointed feeling about it, or that lack of clear distinction of where the last arc ended, where this one began, and you know, even what to call it. Maybe that's normal. I've never followed a monthly manga before, not to this degree. Maybe all stories reach this point where everyone is just sort of like, okay, well, this is happening. Mm. Usually it's pretty clear where they're moving towards to and what the goal is. I think, yeah. I don't think I've ever read a manga where we've been kept in the dark about the main character's intentions for this long. Ever. I would even say that Aaron's not the main character anymore. It doesn't feel like he's, he feels antagonistic, first of all, but also like we haven't Mm. heard much from him at all, like even in the Marley arc. So it's just, it's like for over two years now, we barely know anything about this character anymore. He's like a different person. So I don't know if we can call him the main character. I think what's interesting is he's saying things, but none of us want to believe what he's saying, or we don't want to take it at face value. I don't know if we can. Yeah. I mean, there's been this change in his character. And I think that's, you know, that's been unexplained. And it all hinges on that conversation with Yelena. I know when I saw the spoilers, and I saw that conversation with Yelena, I got so excited. I thought this will be it. This is the chapter. We're gonna, we're gonna see the light. And nope, it was more speculation. (laughs) I was so frustrated. Like, uh, I was so disappointed. Um, A new volume is starting now, right? Yeah. Starting with one, um, 119. So we might get a conversation like near the end of this new volume. At least I would hope so. Yeah, and I, I hope that the next volume will also be like the closing of this arc. But we'll see. If this is, even is an arc. I mean, I'm just so... Yeah, yeah this is an arc. <laughs> We're still in the same arc. <laughs> I know. Are we still in reality? Are we still in... Yeah. I, it's There's just... still a lot to do. Like we have Hanji and Levi... <sighs> We yes. have like a possible rumbling happening in Shiganshina. We have possibly Zeke screaming. There's still a Historia. lot that could happen. He's, yeah, I haven't seen from her. Will we at see all? her. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, Annie, Historia, Levi, Hanji. I, I do think next chapter. I guess. I mean, I know we we usually talk about chapter predictions at the end, but I do think next chapter we'll take a break from this and we'll go off to wherever it is Levi and Hanji are, and I assume they're going to be with Historia. It seems to me that whatever happens now, Historia needs to be there because Zeke is the battery that powers that founding Titan. And if Aaron's intentions are different from Zeke's, 
And Zeke decides not to cooperate. They need Historia. She's the only other person that can power his Titan. Let's say, for instance, Aaron releases the Wall Titans, and then Zeke is not able to help him direct them because he can't do anything without Zeke. Historia's got to be Titanized. It's got to happen. She's got to fill that role. Yeah. I don't see her staying out of the story much longer. Will she have given birth already? She's not pregnant. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I can agree with that. Are we still on this train? Are we, we still, are still on the, oh. there are the longer the longer she's out of the story, the more the more plot twisty, the more potential there is for then the plot twist. I and guess- that's my that is still my favorite plot twist. And I until until I see it happen, otherwise that is my stance. You do realize that if she's not pregnant, her ch- chances of being titanized soon have just gone up through the roof. Oh, she's going to be titanized. I have no doubt about it. Okay. I don't know about that. I mean, if Zeke is killed or refuses to cooperate with Aaron, then... Well, does he need his cooperation, though? Yeah. He, he can't use the founding power, the titan power, without touching a royal. Yeah, he needs to touch him, but like, if Aaron can just immobilize him, then he can't do anything. I don't believe entirely Armin's thinking that Aaron is going to be the one in control. And I was thinking about this yesterday. So we have seen Aaron direct mindless Titans. That's not been an issue, right? Mm -hmm. In Clash, he was able to tell them all to attack Reiner and Burton. But we've never seen him try to direct Titans that have their own, that have a will imbued in them already. These wall Titans were created presumably by King Carl Fritz. And presumably he has his will in them, like maybe he somehow, I guess, programmed them to do a certain thing. And whether or not Aaron can override that programming in them, or if that's something that Zeke needs to do because he's a member of that bloodline, that's the piece that I, I, I'm side-eyeing, or that's the piece that I'm seeing as being a hiccup in this plan, you know, that Aaron can't direct them without royal will backing him up. We can get pretty deep in this, actually. Because I think all Titans are programmed to a certain extent. I don't think like they're naturally meant to just eat people. I think that's something that's been put into them by a certain will. But I mean, they have to eat to become a shifter, right? That's the theory, but it's never been confirmed like it's a conscious act or anything. But we know that from like Rod's vision in the anime when he was a Titan, he could like see the Eldians through paths but, um, behind the wall, right? You saw them as lights, right? Yeah, that had to be paths. It's only explanation. But they also eat non-Eldians. So if they can distinguish between Eldians and non-Eldians, then it doesn't make sense that they're eating people is to turn back to a human necessarily. Oh, that's a good point. When Zeke used them in, what was it, Lagos? They would eat random population as well, not just interesting. Yeah, we saw it in the, what was it, the Middle East? Yeah, yep. That they also unleashed the Titans there, and I think... They also eat the, ate them. They were definitely not Eldians. So. And Gross got eaten as well. But yeah, that's why the, the, the cities were not like um, inside the walls. They were like always protruding out of it, right? Because the Titans would flock towards where the humans were gathering. So they could always somehow sense them or sniff them out. And we always thought, well, maybe they have like some sort of sixth sense. And maybe it is paths or maybe it's something different. But it can't be pets, 
right? Right, because it because they can find non-Eldians as well. Yeah, unless the whole thing about only Eldians being able to turn into Titans is not true. Because we have seen, you know, Half-Bloods being able to turn into a Titan. I believe in an interview, someone asked Isayama about, like, mixed breeding. I don't know how to, I don't know a better term. But he said that, like, if an Ackerman and a... Uh, person with royal blood were to like have a child both yeah. traits would be um carried over to the child so it makes sense if in like marlene and eldian had a child that they can still turn into a titan but if marlene's turning into a titan doesn't seem like it would work yeah we don't know right we've never seen a tribe before you mean injecting a marlean yeah just a, just a pure blood marlean hmm. there's also that if a shifter dies without being eaten then it would pass to a baby. We've also never seen that. That makes sense. You know, you would assume that at least one shift has died. See, when we start talking like this, this is when I realized there has to be a little more world building coming about not just Emir Fritz, but the biology, the physiology of the Titans. I mean, I, I just don't see the story ending without us getting a little bit of that. We certainly need to have more with Xaver. I don't know when or how. But I can't imagine the big mysteries around him are going to be just sort of hand-waved away. I feel there is still more to Xaver than what we've seen thus far. Yeah, yeah it seems that way. Which is why I also feel like Zeke will still play a big part to come, unfortunately. <laughs> How do you see that? Do you agree? I think Zeke, I don't, I don't see him dying. I just don't. He has to live forever. Let me look at the poll. We asked this. We asked, we did the big death flag prediction. Um, 33% think Zeke will die in this battle. Over 50% of the fandom believe that Flock and Yelena are doomed. In this battle, you're specific. What's happening right now? Don't you guys think like when Yelena does die, don't you see like the Elmo with the flames? Like I just see her being burned alive and just like (laughs) smiling at the gods, thanking them. If it's Zeke's hand or as a result of Zeke's action, just like laughing maniacally as her life is like, I don't, is she the craziest character we've had in this manga? Probably. (laughs) Yeah. Like her expression, this chapter freaked me out more than, uh, than the shit machine did. That was so weird. It made no sense to me. I don't even understand the emotion behind it. Like I, I don't, I don't get it. No, he did the the Jessamine Armin face. He's he's never shied away from doing like really nutty faces, but this one was a whole new level. So we did get an, a non on Tumblr about Yelena. It says, "Dumb question for Mom Taku that you may or may not discuss on your podcast." Do you think Yelena knows Armin is lying? I would say yes. What do you guys think? I say she's skeptical. I mean, I mean, she's so loyal to Zeke, and she doesn't want anything bad to happen to him, so she's going to be skeptical of anybody. Mm, I think she suspects he he's lying. Yeah. I think we saw it last chapter in the jail cells. Maybe she wasn't buying it, and but maybe because he's like fighting for Aaron... Or decided to fight for Eren this chapter. That means he's also in Zeke's side. So she's letting it slide. But that, that face she made towards him. I don't know. I don't think she's, uh, she's fully trusting of him. Yeah. I'll just read this entire ask. Because I think Anon actually says it best. Do you think Yelena knows Armin is lying? Or did she make the face for no reason? Or is she glaring at the other 104th? 
I wouldn't be surprised if she made the face just because Isayama did invent Jessamine after all. So I think that there's a lot to be said for that. Isayama's ability to incorporate memes in his panels, to incorporate humor, just to kind of have fun with his story. I, I feel like this was just a chance for him to have fun and just draw something outrageous that he knew would make us laugh. I mean, that would be my guess on that panel. Maybe, but we did see Armin look like really nervous after that. So oh, yeah. I think, I think he feels that she's, <laughs> she's kind of on to him. Actually, going back, the minute he topped the steps, you see Armin looking at her. I mean, he, he sees her there and he knows it's time to perform. So I don't doubt for a second that his entire speech there wasn't solely for her benefit. I mean, you see the rest of them looking at him like he's crazy and then she does the glare. So yeah, absolutely. He's sweating bullets too in the next panel. <laughs> Did you guys notice that? Yeah. He's just like terrified. I got an announcement on Tumblr a few weeks ago that said that she looked like a pickled shark. And I had to Google <laughs> pickled shark because I had never seen a pickled shark. If you Google pickled shark, you will see, or it's also shark in a jar, which I guess must be like some little novelty thing that they sell at museums or something. Um, That was weeks ago when we got this chapter and this particular panel, that's all I could think of. I couldn't unsee it at that point. Like, it's just absolutely a shark in a jar. Those eyes. I guess I can kind of see it. (laughs) I'm still kind of confused about those two panels. Quite honestly. So we all agree that though Yelena didn't necessarily trust him. Most likely not. No. Skeptical. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Now, before we leave uh, talking about the 104, did we want to talk any more about Mikasa's scarf? I think we pretty much said all we could. We know that she's kind of down about Aaron. She doesn't know like what he's thinking, what he's feeling anymore, and she doesn't know what to do, but that's about it. I don't know exactly where she's going to go from here. I think the one thing we haven't mention is how she folded it neatly and just set it aside. It it wasn't like she threw it away. She didn't burn it. She still treated it with care. That's a good point, actually. And I do think that that was pretty telling. I mean, I think that that's perfectly in keeping with Mikasa as a character. In general, she's more of a thoughtful person. And, uh, you know, the fact that she folded it is evidence that she's not completely willing to give up on Aaron. So I saw um, last month's guest, Al, on Twitter mentioned that he thinks that uh, Aaron is going to wrap the scarf around her again, like he promised, you know, at the end of season two. Like, I will always so wrap hopeful. my scarf. Okay, yes, please, so <laughs> That is the sweetest. Oh, my God, though, guys. Okay. Like, you know my feelings, but that would be so sweet. I would love. <laughs> okay. Like, there's that part of me that just, that loves all the sweet moments that would love that if. If, if that happened. See, I don't know whether to hope for that or not. I will be skeptically optimistic that that happens. No, I never see that happening. I think someone speculated that actually Louise is going to take it. Yeah, Louise stealing it. I mean, obviously, she's such a fangirl. Both of them, that's like the ultimate stalkery fan thing to do, like picking up someone's tissues, a celebrity tissue or a celebrity napkin. I could totally see Louise stealing it, but... I don't know. There is still that to you in 2000 years. See you later, Aaron. Mikasa and Aaron have unfinished business. I wouldn't be too sure of that. I, for a while, I kind of felt like that might not have been Mikasa in that image. True. I don't know. That's really sweet that Al thinks that that's going to happen, though. 
he's such a believer in Aaron, though. Like <laughs> he is. He's he's one of the faithful. Yes. Well, we'll find out where it ends in two years' time. In two years' time. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about the commanding officers next. Yes. We've had um, a lot of interesting moments um, from all the main army division leaders this, uh, this chapter. Let's start with Niall, because I think his was most important. He was very concerned with Falco this chapter. How did you guys feel about that? And also his revelation about his family and that he didn't think he was going to see them again. I thought it was fitting with his character. Like he always seemed to be like a family man. That's why he chose to be in the military police in the first place. So him like caring about Falco, it seemed right. Yeah, I, I thought it fit. I, I've always loved Niall, though. I've always been a huge Niall fangirl. So uh, this broke my heart. It absolutely broke my heart because I don't think he's ever going to see his family again. He's dead. Yeah. It's over. And it was also really <laughs> nice confirmation about his third daughter that it was actually a girl because the last time we heard from Niall, Marie was pregnant, but we didn't know anything more about that third child. So this was confirmation that he had that he had a daughter. Which he was. Mm-hmm. I completely forgot about that, I guess. Because you're not a Niall fangirl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Remember in the, um, maybe it was in the carriage ride, uh, asked about Marie. And uh, she was pregnant, so. It's okay, Angry, and I'd also forgotten, so <laughs> you're not the only one. It was a sweet moment, and I'm glad that he's watching out for Falco, this chapter. Well, we had that sort of repetition between Niall and Mr. Browse that the battlefield is no place for children. So there's definitely people making that argument, and these little glimpses of humanity, even amongst the most hardened of soldiers. I mean, Niall might have children this age now. I don't know how long he and Marie have been married, but, you know, maybe that knowing he's never going to see his children again made him more compassionate to this child on the battlefield. Yeah. Yeah. I loved it. I thought it was a great moment. And Falco does look like a sweet, innocent boy. Yes. And he is. I mean, kind of. He is. We haven't seen him kill anyone, right? Nope. Only Gabby. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know if you want to get into it, Angrian, but on Discord, you mentioned the fact, I mean, you kind of gave a, an alternate scenario of how much more poignant it would have been if Colt had killed Niall before, that if it had turned into a tragic moment. Did you want to talk about that? Uh, yeah, I guess. I just felt like overall, like the, the stuff of Gabby wasn't as impactful as I would have wanted it to be. I just think that it could have been better if she wasn't able to stop Colt and she wanted to, because she, you know, realized that now was trying to save Falco or something. And then Colt, because he hasn't been in the island, he shot them. And that would have been like the biggest eye opener to see like how different like she is in thinking towards doubting people now as Colt is, because she's been on the island for some time now. And then seeing now die and not be able to save him and, you know, not wanting to see that happening, happening anymore. I think that would have been a better moment for her to have, you know, those words that she had with Falco. In the building. I sort of want to agree with that. Like, it was the act of Niall returning Falco that was her moment, right? That's when she's sitting there staring at the scene. What? No way. This isn't possible. So the issue that I have is that this is supposed to be Gabby's lowest moment. Her lowest point in the story, kind of. 
because everything around her character has been trying to save the elding people by killing killing the devils that live on the island and realizing that her entire life has been a lie that everything that she's been working for since she's been like either five to seven now she's 12 so pretty much half her life she's been fighting for this and mm. to learn that that's a lie that should have been like a really big breaking point like as big as aaron when he was in the cavern underneath the chapel when he learned about his father like it should have been a moment like that but it's not it wasn't really a, a memorable moment has gabby ever met niall before this was her first no, time seeing niall no. okay so Gabby overhears Niall saying, I'll detain this POW, starts dragging him down the street. And Gabby immediately starts resisting Colt. I think the reason was just that the scene in the restaurant, it's been a few months for us, but it's it's been like a day or so since since that happened. So Mm -hmm. she's still kind of like reeling from, you know, seeing um, Kaya and the Browse family crying over Sasha. And so she's kind of like conflicted on what she did. Even though I agree so that she, she, she should have killed Sasha, honestly. Like after all that happened in the, um, Liberio, it makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. But from her perspective, it makes sense that she's kind of like doubting her actions now. And she didn't know what to do. And she didn't, like a part of her didn't want to see that happen because, you know, she saw what happened at the restaurant. So really with Niall, she took a leap of faith. She just took just a random leap of faith that this is one Eldian who's not going to do harm to Falco. Yeah. Basically, she didn't want to shoot first. Yeah, when you put it in those terms, I actually, it, it makes more sense to me, I think. You know, with Saucer, she shot first. Yeah. And that was a mistake. But still, that's a huge risk. I mean, this guy's dragging Falco, you know? Yeah. That's a huge risk for her to have taken. It seemed out of place for me as well, considering the circumstances. Out of place? It, uh, I think it should have had, like, its own, like, chapter, like, it been a bigger part of a different chapter. But it happened here makes sense. It's just how it was done. I didn't feel right about it. Like a lot of people were happy with it because they're like satisfied or relieved that she's finally realizing the truth. But I feel like it should have been a bigger moment for her. Like this has been what her character has been about the entire time since she's been introduced. But I felt that same way at the end of the the Marley arc when she had that speech about how much the people mean to her in Liberia and that she's fighting for her family, but also everyone in there. And it's was such a big moment, but it, it felt like it didn't come at the right time. You think so? I thought that was perfect, actually. Yeah? One of my favorite scenes, yeah. Okay. I, I wasn't completely happy with it. I was like, oh, I wish we got would have gotten this so much sooner. I can maybe see what you mean, but I don't, I don't feel that way. I think like after all the emotion was building up from all that she saw in Liberia and then having that moment of like just like being a bit more vulnerable than she usually is. Um, because, you know, mm-hmm. if I was around, he was trying to stop her and she was explaining why this is so important to her. It, it makes sense to me. Uh, yeah, it made sense that she was indeed emotional. It's just we got such an insight into her character that we didn't really get before, which I felt was more necessary before. I don't know. I still think this chapter, her taking a chance with trusting Niall was... I can understand her her apprehension to, you know, shoot first and her willingness to trust other Eldians, like the Paradisians. But in this circumstances where Niall is kind of, like, Falco was his prisoner at that point, and there's, you know, the enemy, sort of, is in the other side. So for her to trust Niall, I don't know. Well, I'm looking back at the chapter now, and it's interesting. I hadn't noticed she she's denying she even did it. Like, she's mm, when she yeah. said to trust Niall, she was sort of 
not even aware she was doing it. She didn't have the realization until after Colt questioned her on it. Why did you trust the enemy? She immediately starts to argue, no, I didn't, when they're interrupted by the arrival of the Browse family. And it seems like it's only when the Browses sort of ask after her that she has that realization. That's when the tears start to fall. So it kind of looked like a two-step process for her to have the light bulb moment. Protecting Niall was more autopilot. It was just like this instinct that she did without thinking. And it wasn't until the Browse family talked about her that it all clicked. Yeah. And it's also the fact that she was saved by soldiers as well. Like Mikasa saved her from Kaya. And then Mm -hmm. um, Mikasa and um, Armin took her into the other room and said they weren't going to kill her. So I think it's like a bit of, um, she's a bit conflicted. So she can't, she can't like automatically see the soldiers as enemies anymore. So she's kind of acted on instinct. You you just wish the moment had been a little bigger, like something more dramatic. A bit, yeah. Like, um, I don't know if either of you have seen Avatar The Last Airbender before. Uh-huh. Yes, of course. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how other people feel about this, but like Azula was one of my favorite characters in the show. And like her like breakdown at the end of the series was like a really big moment and really impactful. And I didn't think it needed to be like that big necessarily, but it needed to be like a memorable moment, I felt like. Like this is when her entire world essentially crashes down. There have been a lot of reveals that I feel like have kind of fallen flat and almost comically flat. And I, the <laughs> prime example is the reveal of Colossal and Armored. I'm the Armored. He's the Colossal. Like, it just was not what I was expecting, right? But th- that was flat in a, in a magnificent way, in my opinion. Because I remember reading that for the first time and going like, did I miss pages? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, is there something lie? wrong with the translation? What's going on? Yeah. The anime managed to make it kind of heavy and deep and impactful, you know, to really give it that sinister chill. But reading it, I laughed. Like, it was just so ridiculous. I've always felt like Isayama's great at setting up the mysteries, building the tension, creating these moments, and then it kind of falls flat. And I, I think in the situation with the reveal of Colossal and Armored, it was salvaged by the anime. I mean, it's it's a riot, but I wouldn't view it as great writing. So maybe this is another situation where he built the tension, he created this, blah, blah, blah. And then it just kind of went out with a hiss and the anime will make it great. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't feel the same way. I felt like the scene, in, even in the manga, was good. It, it, it was made better with music, obviously, and the more dramatic scenes with the flag snapping and falling down. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I think it was still executed right with what ECM was trying to do here. Um, trying to do there, I mean. But with this scene, it just felt like it was thrown into the scene without you know any thought, really. I guess he needed that to happen, so he just made it happen without like making it a big moment. A lot of significant moments just seem more understated than I would have expected. So maybe this this one goes into that category as well. But I'm not going to complain about it because I'll just I'll take every happy every every moment of compassion I can get. We don't get many of them, and this was one of them. I'm trying to stay positive, but I, I'm having a hard time. So back to the commanding officers. We did get a a non on Tumblr for the podcast you guys are doing. Please mention Shadis is wonderful. I fought against a bear. Also, did he drink some wine as well? I thought I saw the black strap thingy on his arm. 
please, Isayama, don't let him die like this. So I also love that moment with Shadis, that that kind of bravado when Connie questions him, you know, don't worry about me, I fought a bear. I, I love <laughs> that moment. What did you guys think? Honestly, I kind of laughed when I read that. <laughs> but I do feel bad for Shadis, but it was kind of funny that he didn't want to admit to them what happened. Oh, do you think that's what it was? He didn't want to admit to it? It was very in character. I mean, he, they were his um, his trainees. They were his kids. Yeah. Yeah. He's not going to tell them they got beat up by a bunch of kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you guys see this as embarrassment or bravado? Or do you think it was just they needed to go do what they needed to do? So he just brushed it off, took one for the team and told them, forget about me. Just go. I think all of the above, really. This was a situation for me where it's like dotting the I's and crossing the T's. This may be the last moment we see Keith Shadis. And if so, it was a good moment. On that topic, I don't think he's drinking any of the wine. He is wearing the armband, though. Yeah, he is. Um, I, I went back um, to Chapter 115, and they explained that the Jaegers wear the white armbands. The people who accidentally drank the wine without knowing were wearing, wearing the black armbands. And then the red armbands were for the people who drink the wine and were forced to work with the Jaegers initially before they revealed themselves. But I don't feel like that fits Shadis at all. So I think that he, he just needs an armband. I think the red armbands are just to distinguish that people aren't the Jaegers, but they also aren't um, wine victims. Oh, oh, so Shadis might. Okay, yeah. good. Wait, so red armband just means not a Jaegerist? Essentially, yeah. Okay. The way it was explained, it was in a, indeed, like you said, white, you're Jaegerist, black, you've drunk the wine. And then red, it was like you chose to cooperate with the Jaegerists. Well, he hardly chose to cooperate with the Jaegerists. It's, it's not chose, but more forced to. Forced to, yeah, I guess. But yeah. not okay. drunk in the wine. So maybe he was just marked as an enemy. Uh, yeah, at least he's okay. not a wine drinker, I think, because it, it doesn't look black. Okay, or you're right, you're right. Yeah, because yeah. Falco has a black one as well, and he like just got infected. So if he was infected, he would have um, gotten a black armband too. Yeah, speaking of Falco's black armband, um, Gabi ripped it off him in the same manner that Falco ripped the Eldian star, the nine-pointed star, off her arm. When they arrived yeah. in Paradis. Do you think that was a, a good decision of Gabby? What did that really mean, Angry? And I will admit, I enjoy both characters, but they're not someone I focused on. Him ripping the armband off her was symbolic of what? A clean start or hiding who they were or just fighting back? I mean, what he was trying to get her to change her ideologies, right? Um, Kind of, yeah. It kind of fits into all of that. Uh, I went back to chapter 108 to look at that. And essentially what happens is it seems to be not giving in to fate in a way. That's what it seems to be symbolizing when they rip it off. Because um, before Anthaka did it to Gabby, she was talking about how you know they're not going to survive. They're going to be caught and killed at some point. So she wants to just talk to Zeke before she ends up dying eventually. And then he's ripped off her armband. And then when Gabby does it to Falco, he's talking about how he's going to turn into a titan soon. And he wanted to get everything off his chest before that happened. So it seems to be basically saying, you know, we're not giving up. We're going to keep fighting. Hmm. Ah, I like that. Which I think is nice in a symbolic way. The thing is, though, if they're going to speak and convince him somehow that Falco has been infected with the wine and, you know, like, 
Zeke cares deeply about Aaron because he's his brother and he understands Colt's feeling towards Falco and that would maybe prevent him from screaming. <laughs> no. No, I, probably not. But le- let's, let's, let's pretend for a while that that might happen. Zeke is probably aware of like the armbands, right? I would assume maybe. I think he was aware of the wine plan, how he, they would, I guess, their victims. I'm yeah, sure that was sense. brought up, right? We don't yeah. know for sure, but I, I would assume probably. So if Gabby then rips the, the black armband off of Falco, if they're going to try to convince Zeke that Falco ingested the wine, the fact that he's not wearing a black armband makes it highly unlikely. So you're saying if Zeke saw the armband on Falco, if he was going to yeah. reconsider screaming, that's gone. I think so. I think it might come into play again. But he was already, already willing to um, sacrifice like Liberio for the plan. So I mean, I, <laughs> I don't see him sparing Falco anyway. He's going to get rid of his miscalculations. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if that was uh, not an issue at all for him. Okay, so in the poll, we asked, would knowing Falco drank spinal fluid deter Zeke from screaming? And of course, this is so obvious that I wrote this question because the options were yes, no, and hell no. And <laughs> I am very happy to say 57.3%. Hell no, it would not deter Zeke for a second. Yeah, but that too. So between those two options, we have what, 92% of the fandom thinking that Zeke literally would not care about Falco drinking this, like nothing, or not would not care, but just would not be deterred. So. It's funny that Colt is so naive at this point that he would even think that that's an option. I think he's just desperate. Well, the thing is, do we think that Zeke and Colt had some special connection? Because it looked like Zeke was willing to tell Colt a secret, right? Do you guys think that um, Zeke maybe thinks that Colt would be on his side? Or that Colt would agree with him about the audience? You know, their uncle was in the resistance as well, right? So... A lot of people in the fandom do think that Zeke had genuine, friendly feelings towards Colt. So I know whenever I, I start to rage on Zeke, there's always somebody who says, you know, oh, but he played ball with Colt. Like, like Colt actually has an in with this character. Maybe not to this a degree that Aaron Yeager does, but that his feelings towards Colt were genuine. And maybe Colt believes that too, since he thinks that that they could stop him just using the power of the friendship. But Falco's face afterwards, I don't think he believes it for a second either. I can't see it happening. It's just um, Aaron's out of energy, it seems. He can't use the water power anymore. Zeke's injured. Jaegers are like, a lot of them are dead now. So I, I, they're kind of in a bad spot. So he, like, he kind of has to scream. Well, the vast majority of the fandom thinks the scream is going to happen. 88.8%. It, ha- it has to. Okay, which means Falco becomes a titan, period. And then what? We've talked about it before. The, the Armored Titan is like the only option, really, it seems like. What do you think, Luna? <sighs> I do think he will inherit a Titan. I would like for him to eat Seek and turn into a Winged Titan. <laughs> On the scale of that being likely, I put that very low, that possibility. So, 6%. Yeah, he has been all about protecting Gavi. I think Reiner would be okay with that. And oh, I don't know. Is, is Reiner's story about the end? 
does it seem likely? I feel like there's still more between Reiner and Aaron to explore. I don't know about that. And between Reiner and Porco? I don't know. I feel there's more to Reiner's story still. I could absolutely see Falco becoming a mindless titan and Reiner just immediately giving up his life. I mean, I, th- Reiner Aww. is just that sort of person. The icing on the cake now is that Gabby is in a position where she could tell Reiner that Falco wanted to protect and marry her. And if that didn't sway Reiner, like Reiner would already have done it. But knowing that this person is looking out for her, I mean, he already knew that. You just want to see me suffer like you did. You want to see my favorite character die. I think what you need to ask yourself, would that be a bad moment for Reiner to choose how he dies and to pass the power to who he wants? Is that a bad ending for your character? Well, you guys both love Reiner, best of all. Would you be satisfied with that? He's going to die. How do you want him to go? All I want for Reiner is for Reiner to die feeling like he's accomplished something. And if that's, if giving his power to Falco, if, if having that um, level of self-determination where he chooses when and how he dies, I mean, that's not terrible. Yeah, I agree. I've always felt like this is probably the best ending for him that he can get. I mean, he always wanted to pass it on to Falco, right? Yeah. Since that train, so at least, so, oh, I don't know. I I still want to see more of him, and I'm afraid that if Falco turns into a mindless titan soon, that will be indeed be the end of Reiner, but... If Falco turns into a mindless titan, he's with Colt and Gabby, the first people he's going to try to eat. Guarantee you he's going to eat Colt and then go for Gabby. And Reiner's going to have to make a decision. Do you think he will eat Colt? I feel like Colt has the biggest dead flag of those two. Let me look at the poll results again. The character highest to die of all characters in our death flag prediction is, let's see, Connie, 63%. Flock 65, Colt 47. Yeah, I think the highest is... Porco and Reiner are the top two predictions among the Marleyans. And then Colt comes in third. I don't think Porco can die until we get more of Ymir's story. Do you think there's still more to that? Yes. No. Uh, (laughs) Don't talk to me. Yes. I know how you feel about that. He's gone. Hush, I'm not. I am allowed to dig my heels in on two points, three points. (laughs) Ymir's story not being done is one of those. So, Because Isayama said it in an interview, and if he said it in an interview, it must be true. (laughs) Because Isayama is better than that. My argument about that is he is better than that. He doesn't do that. But I do feel there is more to Poco's story. Like him accepting Reiner because he's always you know, kind of hated him. So I think there's still some moments for him left. But for Reiner, I don't know. I think he, he's, he's gone soon. So is this the final battle? You guys say no or yes? No. No. I cannot see it. Is this the final Titan battle or shifter versus shifter battle? Maybe. Uh, I think maybe it's possible. 67% of fandom says this is not the final battle, but we didn't specify Titan. I think once those wall Titans are released, nobody's allegiances are going to matter anymore oh. because it's just going to be a complete nightmare, like an absolute 
disaster. And everyone's just going to be fighting for survival at that point. Well, to go back to Naruto. <laughs> we always go back to Naruto, don't we? When they has there been a podcast? Has there been a no? podcast that Naruto has? <laughs> when they've defeated the big bad evil in that manga, it was still Naruto versus Sasuke what the series ended on. So shall we have Eren versus Reiner in this one? I seem more likely being like Eren versus Armin. I do too. Armin's smackdown is coming. Like, I don't know. I don't want it to happen. But Isayama's such a jerk. This might be another ocean moment where Armin is all starry-eyed about, this is going to be fine. We're going to hear the truth. He's going to come clean. He's doing this for us. And then he gets smacked in the face with reality. It could. It's looking more and more likely. Yeah. So Pixis, we haven't talked about Pixis yet. He had another, I, 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 again, this chapter, I gave it five stars just because I love the old men. Niall, Shadis, and Pixis all having great moments. Pixis just basically like, this is, I, he knows he's a dead man. So why not go to the front lines? All the wine drinkers go to the front lines. I don't know what the front lines is though. Is that the world's military coming? What is the front lines in something like this? I think it just means taking up a gun and start shooting. Yeah. No odium gear or anything. Do you all think that Pixis will be killed in battle before he's titanized? Hmm. He actually might be eaten by a titan. Didn't Pixis say that a woman would be the dead of him? That he yeah. was a, a couple of times he's mentioned his yeah. his penchant for big women, tall women. So Yeah. Yelena's gonna be his demise somehow. That could happen. That wouldn't be bad, would it? Like him and if he takes out Yelena, Yelena takes out him. I don't know. Yeah, um, now that you mention it, there has been like a lot of focus between Yelena and Pixis, so like her being his in makes sense. So what happens in the next couple of chapters has the potential to be a bloodbath. I mean, absolute bloodbath. I'm kind of hoping for it. Yeah, <laughs> same. Because this fight hasn't like had that many stakes. And also, it's weird that I'm like mostly rooting for the Warriors right now. Why is that weird? They're the characters I find most compelling right now. McGath and Peak, mostly. And also Reiner, of course, but he hasn't really done too much. It, it feels like wheels have been spinning too long. Is that? It just feels like they're like, if you go back to the first Shiganshina battle or return, return to Shiganshina, it felt like a real battle. Like it was hopeless and like they were really struggling, but it doesn't feel that way right now. So I'm hoping that it gets to that. Like it feeling like it's a real war. I prefer kinder mangas where people don't die and nice things happen. But, and I've never been one of those people that felt like we needed shock value deaths or, you know, that, that deaths automatically made a story better or more interesting. But I kind of feel like I'm at the point too, where it's time, you know, it's time to have, like you were saying, just a heavy battle and for, for the stakes to be there, which haven't been so far. The fact that the 104th has only ever lost Sasha when every other character I've cared about has died. I feel like the casualties will once again be, you know, these secondary characters that we love and maybe the 104th will remain unscathed. Uh, it, it feels like they might because it's like, again, the story feels like it's just now starting. And that's, that's, that's the issue for me because I would have preferred it if we had more development of them in the early parts of this arc. And then we could maybe fear more about, you know, one of them dying. 
anything, Luna? Considering the 104, not really. They're not, like, where my focus is at this point in time. <laughs> Are you scared for Reiner? Yes, a little bit. But he hasn't really done anything, right? We haven't seen him forever. And now he's not really done anything these past two chapters, especially this one. So there has to be more. Please don't let his story end like this. I think it, he can get good closure if it's if it's not like done like immediately. Like if there's like some breather room where he gets to talk to you know Gabby, maybe someone from the Wonder Fourth as well. Like maybe he needs someone to take care of Falco when he's gone or something. I don't know. But if he can get some closure and then get eaten, that would be fine. I think. I still want to see like a, a Marley hundred and team up. It's it still seems a bit unlikely at this point, but I hope it will happen. With Gabby with them now, I think it's quite possible. I mean, if the Wall Titans are released, or if the Mindless Titans, I don't know. They may have a common enemy soon enough. We'll see. Right now, they're going to fight for errands. Okay, so we have some asks um, from Reddit and one from Twitter, and both of those are involving Gabby, and they're they're kind of similar. So I will read them both. Uh, so King's Grave on Reddit. Isayama has built upon Gabby and Falco for 28 chapters now, and both of them have had direct contact with Aaron. How important do you think that is going to be in a future chapter? Will they help Armin figure out Aaron's plan? Will they be the key to stopping Aaron? So that's one question. And then Humble, the Humble Servant on Twitter, uh, his is a little bit related. Now that Gabby has had much needed development, what are your hopes for her as a character. Has she fulfilled her purpose and is ready to be devoured by Falco when he becomes a Titan? Uh, yeah, that's... Or will she continue <clears throat> this cycle of hatred after revelation like Reiner? What is Gabby's future? So what, you know, both of these tie into Gabby and Falco's future. What do you think, Angry? And you're the one that's put the most thought into this. Do you think she'll be the key to stopping Aaron? Or... Well, first, if she gets eaten by Falco, I'm done. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, but yeah, I um, can't believe Humble even wrote that. <laughs> yeah, um, but I think it's 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 hard for me to like speculate about her future because it's really like I, I've known that she's going to be important to the story from like, the beginning. It's been obvious to all of us, but her future is really weird because I don't know like what role can she really play? Like she can't use ODM gear, she can't really fight in this battle, and she can't. She's not a Titan right now. She could become a Titan, which I think is like the only real option for her. But if she were to become one, I don't know how she would end up in that role because the one that's most suited towards her would be the Tag Titan, and Aaron has that. And it's not getting eaten. So I, I, I just don't know. It's really weird. Wouldn't it be fun, though, if Falco eats Reiner and Gabby eats Aaron? I've I speculated about that in the past. But at this point Same. in the story, I just don't see that happening. No. At least the other part about Gabby happening. Um, but yeah, about her future and what she's going to play with in terms of Aaron, ah, I have no idea. If anything, she might be the bridge between the uh, the soldiers and the warriors. I mean, the um, Civil Corps and the warriors, maybe. I don't know. I don't see there's going to be a lot of time to be sitting at a table and talking, and that's what it would need for Gabby to... I mean, she's heading off to apparently to where Zeke is, which is a terrible place to be. Yeah, but if like, I feel that if like Magath is planning to 
like, I don't know, do something like, I don't know, bomb the area or something and kill the soldiers. I think Gabby would be hesitant to have them do that if she's like around when he's planning that. So I think like she could be that bridge between the two and maybe make something happen between the two groups. Hmm. It could be. I mean, Mikasa is at least favorable towards her. And I think maybe the others might have a softer spot, even though she did kill Sasha. But it's difficult to say. I mean, I don't see how they could possibly help Armin figure out Eren's plan. Because what little interaction they have had with Eren cannot really lead to anything more. I guess, in terms of figuring him out. Maybe Falco. Depends on what they talked about when he was in the asylum. I have no predictions at all. I am interested in what you guys said, but yeah, this is just a big wait and see for me. Yeah, I'm in the same boat pretty much. I do think she'll have an opportunity to, to be a factor in Reiner's future, whatever that is. Yes. They, they have to talk, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Soon. Ever since chapter 95, they, they have to have that talk. I'm looking forward to that. I hope it, like Reiner will exit his Titan. I'm just glad his beard was back this chapter. <laughs> we did ask on the on the poll, is there any chance that Gabby and Falco will get a hebel- happily ever after? And uh, yeah, 38.6. I doubt it, but it's a nice thought. I actually think it's pretty likely. Uh, 15% think that's a possibility. I was with the majority here. Uh, 44% voted for. No way. Have you met Isayama? If this was any of the characters, I would agree. But since, you know, with Isayama and him feeling that, you know, he even said, in the, I mean, um, my uncle Poe said in this chapter, children are the future. I think them being together in the end makes sense. I think they are the two characters who have the highest chance of getting to the end of the story. I think I would agree with you. Okay. So that leads into the question. Is it possible that the last panel is Falco or Gabby holding the baby? (laughs) (laughs) That's a lot. Yeah. That's a big time skip though. I've thought about it. I honestly have thought about it um, a few times, but I doubt it. I feel like, that has to be related to Aaron in some way. This makes more sense. But I'm still thinking it could just be Grisha holding baby Aaron and saying that to him. It's amazing that we're 118 chapters into this and, and the end is approaching and we have no really concrete theories on where this is going. So before we finish our chapter discussion, we haven't discussed Magath and Peak at all. I think last month we'd speculated if she would be able to move quickly with that uh, huge cannon on her back, the answer to that is yes. But they were able to pull off the sneak attack, which the chapter is named after. So what did you guys think? What's uh, What do you see happening with those two? I, I hope they both live, but I don't know if they will. I, I do think Peak will be able to transform again. But who knows, maybe... Maybe one of the Jaegerists will take her out beforehand. I have no idea, actually, at this point. I talked with um, Mike on um, Discord about this before, and we came to the conclusion that she probably can't transform more than one time because she spent, like, what, two months in her Titan before? Mm-hmm. And you'd think that, you know, she wouldn't need to be in her Titan for all that time, sleeping in her Titan as well. 
So it, it's probably that she can stay in a Titan for a long time, but she has to like take a long break after going back to human form. I would agree with that. Like there's, isn't, wasn't there something about her Titan form? She can't heal too well. She can't heal as quickly. Yeah. So her Titan form has some limitations. In which case, if she's stuck in her human form with Magath on the wall with the cannon, uh, yeah. Any death flags for Magath? I can't see him going anywhere. I think he's integral to the end of the story. I don't know about the end, but I think he has a lot more screen time left. And I'm hoping the same for Pete. I don't know for sure yet, but she's like right now one of the most interesting warriors to me. So I want to see more of her. She really grew on me these past chapters, this volume actually. So, but knowing Isayama, he'll probably kill her soon. I think she's dispensable at this point. She's done what she was there to do, which was be the smart one in the group. I hope not. Which Marleans will die in this battle? Porco and Reiner are the only two over 50% at this point. Peak's number is actually pretty low. Actually lower than Magus, which is surprising to me. Let's see. Only 6% think Gabby will die. Isn't that crazy? She's the lowest. Aside from Aaron and Armin, mm. Gabby is the lowest. Like She's number three when it comes to characters we think will survive. One thing in this chapter poll that kind of warmed my heart, I know the critics of Gabby are extremely loud, but once again, the fandom likes her. Uh, We asked the question about her character development. 41% have enjoyed watching her develop. Almost 30% didn't like her at first, but do now. 22% she's better. They still don't like her. And only 7% have absolutely hated her character. So I think that's amazing when I think about like chapter 91 and how so many people just really did not like this story. And now to have, um, is that 40, 50, 60, 70% of the fandom really happy with her place here. It's, it's amazing. It was bound to happen. Like it happens all the time. Like I remember back in the day when I, um, when everyone hated Reiner and Borto and Annie and stuff, and they got a lot of hate for that. And I used to defend them as well and then now everyone loves him and the same <laughs> physique he's not loved necessarily but i used to defend him as well and now he's a lot more popular after the 114 and 115 yeah yeah isayama does have the ability to uh, he's always good at um making characters fleshed out and realistic enough that we can latch on to them so yeah. he gets props for that okay anything else in the chapter discussion I don't think so. Yeah. Okay. So what are you guys hoping to see next chapter? Zeke scream. Yeah, pretty much that, I guess. Probably some more from Reiner. He hasn't done much in the last chapter. So am I the only one that thinks that uh, we'll open up with Levi and Hanji? Or do you think that'll be, that's likely? Mm, I don't know. I thought maybe like before the battle started, we might go back and see that. But now that we're like in the thick of it, I don't see it switching back to them. We might get like one small scene with them, but I don't see it's like going like straight back to that like four full chapter. No, no, I don't either. I do think that we're going to, I really think next chapter we're going to get uh, Historia, Levi, and Hanji. Really? I do. I, I just think Historia is integral to this battle for reasons I talked mm-hmm. about earlier. Um, if Zeke does not cooperate with Aaron, she's the only one that can 
fix the situation. She's going to, she's going to be the hero, I think. I think it's too soon. I think um, we'll focus just on Chiganchina for a while. All right. But yeah, I agree with Angry and I'd like to see Reiner get something to do without getting his ass kicked and Zeke screaming. I think it's too soon for the Wall Titans to be released, but would be nice. Yeah, but I'm I'm really looking forward to the 104th because it's also in their best interest that Zeke doesn't scream. So maybe they'll work together with Falco, Gabby, and Colt. How many more days till the next chapter? <laughs> <laughs> A little bit. I'm ready. We'll make it through. <laughs> we will. We always do. Okay. So that was it for our chapter discussion. We're going to take a little break now and we'll be back with our news and Q&A. See you in a bit. Welcome back, everyone. We're going to start talking about the anime. Personally, I think the last couple of episodes that we've seen, and we've seen up until the basement so far, have been nothing short of phenomenal. And I am very happy with how Wit has handled this season. Can you give me some of your highlights, your personal highlights so far? Well, for me, well, first of all, in the beginning of the season, like the first two episodes, I was kind of nervous especially with episode two, it was like really subpar compared to what they've done before. But after that, like I've been blown away, especially with episode um, four, I think it was perfect game. I think that might've been like one of my favorite ones. Erwin Smith is my favorite character. This arc is, this was a make it or break it arc for me. I have nothing but praise. I can, I have literally zero criticisms about how the last several episodes have been handled. None exceeded all of my wildest dreams. Perfect game. Absolutely the best ever. But Midnight Sun, the fact that they dropped all the music for Midnight Sun and just focused on the voice acting, that it just nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. It was a perfect choice. I'm online a lot looking at what other people think about things. And I have seen criticisms. You know, the warrior community was real unhappy that uh, the panel of like Bert crying, I mean, Reiner crying Reiner, about Bert. Yeah. yeah, that was excluded. I can see that. And I think some people have expressed some disagreement with how Levi's been either too expressive or not expressive enough. I have, I have no arguments there. I think it's been perfect. But what about that uh, anime only scene of Bert smiling right before he's eaten? I actually missed the first time. Smiling? Yeah. Um, when he first sees the, um, the 104th, he starts smiling for like, a few frames. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you mean. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Um, I like that inclusion, actually, because it, it's some sort of relief, like, oh, I'm going to be fine. And he's not fully realizing what has just transpired on that rooftop. And it's very, very short-lived, that relief. And I really like that. And I'm personally, I'm not too upset that they cut Reiner qu- uh, crying, that they cut that out, because... It just makes a Bertolt's death that more horrible. 
in the sense that he truly died alone? Um, I, I, I was actually really upset with it. Not like really upset, but kind of. Because you can see in the manga, like, Reiner's like crying throughout the entire scene with Hanji. Um, when she's like trying to kill him or whatever, and then he's still crying when um Zeke saves him. So I, I think like that really expressed how like how much he had given up. Like he wanted to die that moment. Like he was suicidal from that point on, pretty much. And I think that like small detail was really important. I think. Hmm. I don't know if he was suicidal from that point, but the voice acting in that with Hanji kind of surprised me. He he sounded so weak and. Um, not at all what I expected because uh, when Hanji asks him, like, uh, are you going to give, you're not going to give us any information. And then I felt like in the manga, he kind of smirked and said, nope, kind of like defiantly. But that was very different in the anime. I think it's just at that time, Ishan was still kind of like struggling with facial expressions. I think he was like trying to like show him gritting his teeth a bit. But I, I do think um, cause I, I talked I talked about this before. I don't know where exactly, but I think it was actually from this point on that Reiner was starting to like show suicidal tendencies because he didn't um, agree to share any information with them. He knew they were going to kill him. He accepted that. Mm-hmm. And then we see in chapter ninety four, I believe, Falco was talking about how Reiner took all blame for the failure of Paradise, the Paradise operation and how he's constantly put himself in danger in every single battle, but he came out successful. And I think that kind of shows how Reiner has been trying to die on battle, kind of die in battle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But each time he comes back alive and that's what gained him um, respect. And um, it, yeah, that made made him so valued to the Marlians because he always gives his all. Well, probably he was indeed, trying to die on the battlefield. So that's why I was kind of like, kind of sad that they took out that small bit of detail in the scenes in this, um, in Midnight Sun. Yeah. But I think the fact that his, his voice maybe also adds to that feeling of him kind of being done in a way. Yeah. And that like when we finally see him in Marley, that development of him being suicidal and done with life shouldn't come as too big of a shock. I don't know. I'm I'm okay with the change. Um also okay with the um, the change that in the manga, the one in the one of four it, they look like they were cheering or cheering. Especially Aaron looked like he was smiling when Bert was about to get eaten by Armin and in the anime he just had a look of surprise. Yeah, they tone that down quite a bit. Yeah. I'm glad they changed it because it it didn't do anything for me, um, and it just, I mean, towards Bert's death and my feelings towards Bertold, it just made me feel less positively about the 104. And I don't think that's what Isayama was going for in that moment. So I'm glad they changed that. That was a hard moment for me, too, in the manga, to see them smiling as Bert died, because Bert was one of my favorite characters. So the fact that they downplayed that, I, I do think that, you know, they do try to follow Isayama's intentions and... If he had wanted a smile, it would have been there. Mm. I, I just thought Bert's death was absolutely horrifying and deliberately so, and the worst death in the entire manga, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I might actually agree with that. You don't, or you do? I, I think I would agree. Yeah. Is he the first one to die at the hands of friends? I mean, kind of Marco. Yeah. But I guess what, what always made it worse was that 
Marco's death, Bert, Annie, Reiner are all crying. They're devastated. Like it hurt them to watch. And in this case, there was no compassion. Yeah. Nobody was crying. Yeah. Bertolt is a pretty tragic character in that sense. You know, you can tell that the one fort is definitely more favorable towards Reiner than towards Bertolt. They, they have issue with killing Reiner, but not so much when it comes to Bert. For him to scream for his best friends and then to see, you know, the other people that he thought were somehow still his friends in his last moments, but, you know, doing nothing to help him, that must have been pretty rough. Yeah, and although I understand it, the um the community reaction to Bert's death, the enemy only reaction to Bert's death is kind of <laughs> frustrating at times. Definitely. It's, uh, I understand not liking Bert for what he did, but it always seemed disproportionate to his circumstances. So It's frustrating because a lot of people that I've seen have said that, you know, they kill innocent people and they deserve it. They deserve the worst death possible. But you know they're not going to say the same thing when we get to Liberia. They're just not. No. Even Aaron has grown up in his attitude towards them. And, you know, yeah, a, a chunk of the fandom has not. They they still hold everything against them. And I just feel like they're child soldiers. In our society, they would never be convicted for what they did in Shigan, China, That They were children. And there's extenuating circumstances. Yeah. <sighs> it's, it's, ooh, it's difficult. Because, you know, that has been brought up before. And when they were 12, I would say yes. But um, then they did it again when they were... They weren't even 12, right? They were 14? They were 12 and it was 11, I believe. Yeah, and then they did it again five years later. So 17 and 16. That was it. Yeah. It's just a tragedy. Everything about the Warriors. I mean, they were saving the world. I mean, I know Bert certainly felt that way. Reiner wanted to be a hero. Annie didn't hold any delusions. but. You know, what choice did they have? Yeah. And he tried to go back three times, actually. But Reiner kept trying to push him. Well, Reiner was also, you know, he couldn't go back, right? Yeah, he was stuck in his war persona for a lot of it, like their interactions. I'm always surprised to see that people don't see how much Bertolt struggled with everything they had done. Like, you can see him crying. You can see him admitting, like, who would want to do this. And still people dislike him and i don't really understand why did you see that fan edit on reddit that pieces together bert's death from this season's anime and like interjected it with the scenes oh of yeah i did see it who yeah. would want to do this who oh, it was God. powerful that was good i wish they had done that in the anime because i did i do like watching the anime only's react to that and a lot of people were happy that he died or like saying oh this is justice for marco and i'm like how is this justice for marco yeah <laughs> what so I was like, yeah, surprised, really surprised at some of their reactions. Yeah, it's just bias. Yeah. It's, it's why so many people defend Aaron, Aaron's actions, even Flock's actions, a lot of people. It's interesting because I feel like the anime only, I always feel like they have a better read on characters the first time. I was hoping that they would react differently. There are a few, but most of them, no, they just see them as the enemy their circumstances don't matter. They just, they killed people on our side. So they need to die. I've been looking at the difference in the polls that, uh, that the anime team is doing. They do the manga only and the anime only versions and comparing the results on those. 
And it's amazing how much they line up. There's very few instances where they there's disagreement. I think the Midnight Sun, I hope I'm remembering this correctly. Most people, most manga readers objectively felt like Erwin was the best choice, whereas most anime-only people objectively thought Armin was and were happiest that Armin was revived. So Armin is the more popular character for the anime-only audience, whereas the manga viewer is kind of like, oh, Armin was the better choice, but I'm glad it was Armin. Um, But otherwise, it's almost lockstep. You'd think there would be a huge difference. There's not. Yeah, I actually wanted to talk about um, the community perception of who should have been chosen during the Serum Bowl. I was surprised how many anime onlys thought that Armin should have. I was surprised by that, too. Well, I mean, the anime did a really good job of making a good case for Armin and everything he had accomplished so far. And I think we saw less of that for Erwin. And I feel so Erwin got a really good goodbye scene in that sense. And... This whole second part of the season has been leading up to that, basically. So it, it, in that sense, it felt, felt more natural, I guess, to say goodbye to Erwin. And nobody really pleaded his case or what he had, has uh, meant for the Survey Corps. Except Locke. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Armin also has done a lot of good things, but he also had more information available to him. Like, his best friend was a shifter. Like, Erwin never had those type of opportunities to make those those calls, those decisions that lead to victory. So I feel like they're unfairly compared in that sense. Right. Erwin had never met Annie Bertold Reiner, certainly didn't spend three years training next to them, you know, certainly didn't eat with them and, and room with them. And like Armin, Armin had a huge advantage in those particular moments. Mm. I think the genius of Erwin was in recognizing that Armin knew that, that, you know, to bring Armin to the table, to sit Armin down, you know, why do you think Annie is the Titan? That's what makes a real leader. It's knowing who does and trusting people. And so even the fact that Armin was allowed to take command of a troop, to look for Reiner, to be part of the discussion about the female Titan, that all is credit to Erwin Smith. The fact that Erwin recognized it says so much. No, he is quite smart, but He's not the only smart person in the Survey Corps. And the thing is, do we have anyone who could fulfill Erwin's leadership role? E- even if we ignore what happened in the manga, since what you have said back then, after the whole basement, well, even before they went to the basement, do you think like they would have a good leader in Hanji? From what we've seen also... Bearing in mind season three, part one, where Erwin was in captivity. I think Hanji is a good leader. I think I she can be. She just needs some help and more experience. But with Armin, I, I still feel that he was the better choice, but I don't feel it was like as clear cut as some people felt it was. I've had three years to think about Levi's choice. And to me, it's obvious mm-hmm. Levi chose Erwin's humanity over what was best for humanity as a whole. That is plainly obvious to me. But even in my own family, watching the anime for the first time and asking them questions about it, uh, they really felt like Aaron's words moved Levi, that they helped to persuade Levi. And I don't. I think Flock's words did more to persuade Levi. But 
Yeah, I, I don't know that the message yeah. was as clear cut either. Was it in the manga as well, by the way? I didn't go back and reread the chapter Floch saying what uh, mission in life was. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I couldn't remember that. So I was like, oh, <laughs> foreshadowing. <laughs> I've been amazed, aside from a few small things, they have not veered far off the canon material at all. It's been fantastic. I'm so happy with yeah. this season of the anime. I'm glad that uh, with Studios going out on a bang, if it's indeed true that they are uh, not continuing for season four, because it's been amazing this season. And I, I was really worried part one, because that was my least favorite season thus far. And I do think they made some mistakes there. But yeah, this, uh, this has been absolutely fantastic. So the episode that we, we've all just seen Sunday was uh, the, the Basement. Mm -hmm. And they, I knew there was going to be some anime-only content. I thought that was brilliant as well. Actually really developing Mikasa's and Aaron's walk to the home and giving us like those glimpses of life before and life after. And uh, just the despondency that Levi showed. I mean, I just the, the scene of him walking in front of the broken glass. I mean, kicking rocks while the others are trying to look for the basement. It just, uh, everything about that was perfect. I thought it was the best they could do with the situation they were in. Because there wasn't enough content in Chapter 85 to have a full episode. Mm. So the alternative was would be to have like to show a significant amount of 86 in Marley, which would have been like pretty jarring to do. Cause it's like no good start, um, no good stopping points. So I, I get why they did it. I think it was fine, but it was clearly padding. Like that panel of the shoe where they see the shoe that was in the manga. I never noticed it, you know, to really kind of capitalize on that and give that some weight and meaning, you know, that was one of their neighbors. Somebody's, who's no longer alive. I mean, it just seeing Hanes and uh, I, I liked it. I mean, this is the basement reveal and the fact that they kind of drag it out just a few more minutes to give it that weight. I thought it was brilliant. Mm. But I agree with you too, Angry, and there was, they had to fill the episode. They just chose to fill it really well. Yeah. And the confirmation that the person that uh, child Grisha bumped into being Xaver, that was huge. That was... We speculated. I mean, I thought it was pretty obvious, so I was pretty surprised that everyone was like, oh my god, it is indeed Xaver. I thought uh, it was prior to 114, too. I thought they yep. were the same person. But after 114, it, it felt like it couldn't have been, or it was less likely, because it didn't seem like... Because if that was the same person, it, me it meant that Xavier knew Grisha since he was a kid and not just like knew of him, but like had somewhat of relatively close relationship with him. That's why I had my reservations favor. And I think there's also more to his story because it doesn't make sense. How can he have pretended to be a Marleyan while people in the ghetto knew him? Clearly he would not have been the beast Titan at this point either. This is, yeah, this is like that gap between. Yeah. Cause how many, I don't know how young Grisha was but he was, he was 19 11. when he had Zeke, right? And how old was Zeke when he Zeke was seven years old at the time? Um, when Grisha bumped into Xavier, he was 11, so that was 15 years. Okay, so he couldn't have been to be so. This is like before he pretended to be a Marleyan, 
It could have been. It could have been before he met his wife. But like that's that's also strange. Grisha must have recognized him as the beast when he was the beast titan. Then this is so weird to me. <laughs> it's not adding up right now. At least it's not. It's not. I'm excited about it though. Anyway, that was it. Was a great episode, and that little bit. I okay. Season two when we got the ED that showed things that were relevant later in the manga. The anime actually gave us some new information to work with. And I, I feel like them confirming this is one of those things. Like they, that, this was something for us, for the manga readers to get excited about. Yeah. The only reason I had my doubts was because it seemed like Xavier was trying to push Zeke away from becoming a warrior at first. So I, I just mm-hmm. don't know like what his intentions were. And we still don't know, except it's a lot shadier now. <laughs> a bit. So we really don't have uh, a lot of news this month. Next month, we'll be able to talk about the manga exhibition in Rapongi, where the end of the manga is going to be revealed. So I'm really looking forward to that. I think we get that information on either July 5th or July 8th. Next time we record, we'll know. Yes, first week of July, we should be able to talk about that. The decision for Wit Studio to give up Attack on Titan is also one of those things that's sort of up in the air right now. There was some secondhand information that Araki was quoted as saying that there would be a season four, but no information whether Wit would be involved. So that's still up in the air. But uh, you got some personal news that you're excited about, Luna. I am, I am. So finally, after 10 years of Attack on Titan, finally getting an event in Europe. Next year, in March, we'll finally be getting a concert. Um, there will be an SNK Orchestra um, concert in Leipzig. And I'm really excited. Always wanted to go to a concert, and I thought I wouldn't be able to go see one because I would have to go to Japan. And um, yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy that we're finally, finally getting something. So I'm hoping that I can go with a fellow fan and we can meet up there. <laughs> So what kind of a drive? I don't know where Leipzig, Germany is. What sort it's of a drive? It's in Eastern Germany. So it's quite, it's quite far away from me. That's worth it. Um, it's, it's going to be, um, I'm, I'm going to have to stay overnight there. So I'm looking into some places to stay right now. <laughs> and it's in March. It's in March. Yeah. Yeah. So that was my good news for, uh, for this month. And I guess my good news for this month is that the clonoids were not terrifying. They were actually okay. The uh, USJ event has happened and the reviews are in and the photos are in and really hoping that we'll be able to have a special edition of the podcast with coffee where she will tell us all about her experiences at Universal Studios Japan. And also she's going to several of those cafe events that are happening right now. So look forward to that. I will link a picture of the clonoids in case you're not familiar with them. And uh, <laughs> you can choose whether you think they're okay or if you're absolutely <sighs> horrified by them like I was. It doesn't matter what anyone thinks except me. I liked I liked them. I think your love for Erwin has blinded you a bit. My love for Erwin has blinded me. I am content. I am content. You have been warned, people. You have been warned. <laughs> All right. So um, we had an ask from Tumblr that we haven't answered yet from Vayer. I don't know. Who should read this? I'll start. How many hours of mom drooling over Erwin had Luna to edit out so far none because mom does all the editing so i haven't been able to touch anything so everything that's been edited out she has done herself she has come to the realization herself 
that what she's doing <laughs> is far too much for people to handle. And uh, <laughs> there are times when you listen to it, you uh, tell that's me to true. take it out. Yeah. I don't know if that was Erwin drooling, though. It has happened that you have made me remove Erwin content because I was being ridiculous. I mean, I do mention you, like, I, I do constantly tell you to stop on, on Discord and uh, on Tumblr. Didn't you get, like, a, a nasty anon about Erwin? And I commented on that, asking you if I sent that in my sleep. Yes. Yes, yeah. it's true. <laughs> yeah. So that's where we stand on that. Um, so her next question is, do you think Flo's loving relationship with Aaron will survive till the end? Yes. No. What end? End of the manga or until one of them dies? Yes. Um, I think, yeah, he's his double. I think he will too. <laughs> I think maybe Aaron will betray them all. And I used to think that I don't know anymore. I think he's like the ideal leader for the Jaegers at this point. <laughs> They want to create their empire. Next question. Are any of you in the Gabby gang? You know what? I think we have the president of the Gabby gang here, to be <laughs> honest. Gabby I gang, Gabby I'm, gang, Gabby gang. <laughs> I think I'm the one who's defended her the most on Reddit. Let me go ahead and plug that birthday special you did. Because, Angrian, I have been in fandom, in the Attack on Titan fandom, for more than five years. It was the most incredible thing I think I've ever seen. I mean, there have been videos I have loved, but as far as like a reproduction of the manga, I mean, it, it was fantastic. I mean, ballpark, how many hours you had to, you had to kind of rework the manga to fit the story, select which panels to use, typeset it, write it. I mean, it, it's. Yeah, it was a lot more than I thought. Um, I got inspired to do it because there's been a few mega chapters that were made on Reddit a few times. I think one that focused on like the Shiganshina arc from every single perspective. So like Ymir's, Grisha's, um, Reiner, Berto's, Nanny's, all those perspectives. And they like kind of like put it all together to make it make sense. There's another one focused on Kenny's story like entirely and all that stuff. So I got inspired to like want to make one myself and focus wow. on Gabby's character because I felt like a lot of people didn't really understand why she felt the way she did during the arc and like one of the biggest things is the fact that um when marley announced their warrior program the excuse that they used for why they were attacking paradise was because um the king made an announcement that he was going to take over the world again so from, from their perspective it was a preemptive strike like they didn't just randomly invade them so that's why they felt it was justified because they were basically defending you know the world from the monsters on the island or whatever um, but yeah, the chapter, I, I don't know exactly how long it took me. It was a lot more than I expected. It took me like a month total to get it all done. Wow. It took so long because it was a lot more editing than I would have thought it would have been because they're, like to make it flow correctly, I had to take out so, I had to edit so many pages to take out different people's perspectives because in the Marley arc, we aren't shown just like, you know, one or two characters' perspectives. We've shown a lot of different characters in different moments. So to have it flow correctly, I had to like spend hours editing like just like single pages to get it to work right. Surprise, it only took you a month, to be honest, just because of the storyboarding you had to do. I guess the biggest thing was the intro scene that I made because there was no way to start Gabby's story that felt natural because it starts off from Falco's perspective in the Marley arc, not hers. So mm -hmm. I had to work on that intro scene to get it to like flow into Gabby's scene in the Marley arc. Anyone who hasn't seen it, even if you don't like Gabby, 
We will put a link to it. I think everyone should take a look at it. Okay. Next question. Who is the best dad in this series? Mr. Browse. Like, it's easy. Yeah. It has to be him, right? I cannot really think of anyone else. Most dads in the show is pretty horrible. Yeah. I thought about this question before, and I was like, shall I say Reiner? And then I was like, no. Papa Blaus is too. <laughs> I used to say Reiner, too. <laughs> Reiner's a great dad, though. He is. But, and I'm yeah. assuming by ours next, there is only one correct answer. Do you think she thinks Reiner? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> we'll hear about it in the comments, though. Mm, I'm sure we will. And then she asked, um, on the anime, have you seen Jean's ass after he rescues Hanji? I was very distracted. I couldn't see anything. And same. I, I actually uh, saw that part again, and I'm like, <sighs> I didn't even notice. Was there any ass there? I don't know. I Did he also fell victim to the hard surface of a wooden chair? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> we'll have to go back and look. I have no answer. Good. <laughs> I'm not surprised. You, you, on Tumblr, well, we won't get into that, but there's a, there's a story behind it. Okay. And I'll ask this one to you, too. What are your opinions on Bald Reiner? Ah! <laughs> oh, that looks horrible. It was so bad. Oh, I cringed. It was so, so ugly. It was Why the worst. Why did they do him so wrong? Oh, my God. It was so horrible. We didn't need to do him like that. So I thought, like, after the Mars attack, we had seen the worst. But you were wrong. <laughs> I was so it wrong. Worse. So our, on Twitter, our friend Polka sent in another quick fire round. How do you want to do this, Luna? Are you going to be the quiz master again? If you want me to, yeah. Go ahead. So the way this works, Angrian, Luna will say two names, and you say which one you prefer. All right. Okay, first up, Gabby or Falco? Gabby. Falco. Falco. Niall or Onyankopon? Onyankopon. Niall. Niall. Peak or Porco? Peak. 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 Ooh, we're going to get in so much trouble. <laughs> I already know one person who is like raging, tearing down <gasps> right now. Okay, next question. Pixis or Magath? Magath. Pixis. Magath. F oh, Floch or Yelena? Yelena. Yelena. Oh. Floch? <laughs> <laughs> um, Reiner or Aaron? Reiner. 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 Erwin or Hanji? This is so mean. Erwin. Erwin. Hanji. Cold or Niccolo? Niccolo. I'm going to go with Niccolo too. Cold. Historia or Mikasa? Oh. Hmm. Yeah. Historia. Historia. Mikasa. Bertolt or Armin? Bertolt. This is so mm -hmm. mean, Polka. <laughs> Armin. Bert for me as well. Okay, next one is Levi or Jean? Jean. Levi. Jean. Grisha or Willy? Willy, easy. Oh, man. I am. Um... Oh, come on. Grisha. Really? Yeah. I like Grisha. Willie. 
I think we had this one last time as well, but I'll ask it again. Uh, Xaver or Kruger? Kruger. 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 Oh, this is a tough one, maybe. Faye or Carla? Ugh. I guess Faye. I'll go with Faye. Same. I am Aww. so not looking forward to next no, week. No, I'm not. <laughs> and the last one is exactly right or nothing <laughs> wrong. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. Exactly right. <laughs> Although there was everything wrong with these choices. <laughs> uh, I'm not looking forward to Faye next week. I, I, I'm going to go ahead and tell this story, but I was watching this with my daughter. And she is officially old enough to watch Attack on Titan. She's within the age, so. But um, she's been spoiled on some things, but not Faye. When she saw that scene with Faye, her immediate reaction was absolute love. Like, she told me she saw a meme on Instagram months ago that was something like, oh, I really like Faye. She looks like the sort of person who would like dogs. And she <laughs> said that she didn't get it. And I just... <laughs> So I just, I am just, this is not going to be fun. And they have to make her so beautiful and so cute and such a little ray of sunshine. Yeah. And uh, next week's not going to be fun, guys. No. We get Kruger, so I'm happy. I'm hyped. We do. That's and good. Kruger literally looks like brown-haired Irwin, which is funny because <clears throat> I thought, I, I, it's like they miss drawing him so much that they, yeah. Okay. Okay, this is getting cut from the final version. <laughs> Kruger's hair was really weird for me because I thought it'd be like dark back hair, or at least similar to Aaron's hair. Hmm, I don't know. I, I always pictured him like this, I guess. Maybe a little bit dark brown, I guess. Yeah, I'm just excited. I can't wait to hear him speak. I'm really excited about the rest of the season. It's almost over. How, what, three episodes? Yep. Or two? Three. Perfect. Almost then, yeah. Those were all the questions we received this month. Thank you for everyone who sent one in. As always, you can support us by leaving a like or a comment on the podcast, wherever you listen. And we also have a Kofi and a Patreon you would like to support us there. We'd also like to thank Twitter's Anxiety Jones for tweeting about us. He called the podcast Proper Good, which mm -hmm. made me very happy. And I'd also like to thank our Patreon and friend, Kenny H. And of course, we would like to thank this month's guest, Angrian. Thank you for being on this month. We really enjoyed having you. Thanks for having me. It was awesome. I feel like we've talked before on Discord, maybe as part of a group chat, but this was my first time really getting to speak with you, and I've enjoyed it greatly. Yeah, me too. All right. That was all for this month. Thank you for offering your hearts and your ears, and see you next time. Bye. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to make a film for me, a little video as well next week? I don't know. Probably not. It's just too embarrassing. She made one where Erwin's dead and her daughter was sitting next to her and her daughter was like, I, I can't handle this. And she wanted to go. And then <laughs> Bomtaku like basically 
hold held her in a grip and was like, "No, please don't beat me." <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so I had a good laugh at that, at her, like scolding her, like, "How dare you traumatize your daughter like that?" <laughs> Luna has so much blackmail on me. Like, I just it's embarrassing, but. It, I, I willingly give this stuff to her, so. I yeah, it's your own fault. 